DiscerningHearts.com in cooperation with the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Albert the Great presents St. Catherine of Siena, Her Life and Teachings with Father Thomas McDermott. Father McDermott is a Dominican priest and region of studies of the province of St. Albert the Great. He's the author of Filled with All the Fullness of God, An Introduction to Catholic Spirituality, and Catherine of Siena, Spiritual Development in Her Life and Teaching. Proclaimed a Doctor of the Church in 1970, St. Catherine of Siena is considered one of the great mystical doctors of the Church. Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI has said that she still speaks to us today and impels us to walk courageously toward holiness to be ever more fully disciples of the Lord. St. Catherine of Siena, Her Life and Teachings with Father Thomas McDermott. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father McDermott, thank you once again for joining me. Thank you, Chris. In our conversations, we're looking at St. Catherine of Siena's principal teachings and spiritual development. And one aspect of her teaching, which is really important for us to understand, is the teachings in her writings about the blood, the blood of Christ. It's referred to over and over and over again, isn't it? Yes, it is. And um, she was almost fixated with the blood of Christ. And the blood of Christ, uh, well, the fact that God bled on the cross and prior to that in the circumcision of Christ was to her uh, absolutely, infinitely amazing that God would go that far for his creatures and actually bleeding for us. And this was the... uh, this was the truth about God, that he bled, which is most revealing about him. This is why she was fixated on it, that if it's necessary for us to know the truth about God, well, the most important thing we should know about God is that he bled and he died for us. And that should remove, Catherine says, all doubt about his, his love for us and his desire to do absolutely anything to be in relationship with us. And the blood, um, some people have defined the blood as uh, grace, which it it is, but I think it's more than that too. Um, uh, The blood for St. Catherine of Siena represents a new field of energy. This is what Father Ken Elm Foster, the English Dominican, said. And she's always inviting us to step into this new field of energy and to be recreated by it. And she has so many expressions for God's invitation for us to do so, that bathe yourself, inebriate yourself in this new field of energy, the blood. Um, I suppose for a lot of our contemporaries today, um, it can make people squeamish, all this talk about blood and emphasis on blood. But I remember when I was studying St. Catherine of Siena for the first time, I became more sensitive to that word whenever scripture was read at Mass or whenever I was reading scripture. That blood is mentioned a lot, and, um, and especially in the New Testament, the blood of Christ, the blood of the Lamb, so on and so forth. So she's uh, perfectly in keeping with tradition, particularly uh, Scripture, in her use of this image of the blood. I think for many modern Christians, what we came to understand the passion to be because of our crucifixes and because of our sensibilities and how we may not be able to appreciate just what that shedding 
and that that sacrifice that was undertaken for us. And Catherine really got that. She did. She really understood that. She did. There wasn't anything neat or sanitary or hygienic about the death of Jesus. It was a very brutal uh, and seen from one side a very ugly thing. Uh, sometimes when Americans go down to Mexico and they step into Mexican Catholic churches, they'll see what they uh, would describe you know, as bloody, gruesome crucifixes. And I don't think it's altogether bad for us to see those things and maybe even to have more of them in our own churches to remind us of the, the, the length that, that Christ went to um, in order to reveal the Father's love for us, in order to show us how life is meant to be lived, how we ought to be a human being, and in order to share his divine life with us. You know, he, he went the, the full gamut for us. It also is a sign for Catherine that we're recreated in grace. You know, as, as one moves higher on the, the bridge of Christ crucified in the dialogue, when one gets to the, the open side and peers inside and sees the radical truth about the love of God, the love God has for us, she says that many people there experience a rebaptism. You know, it's that powerful. And they go away saying for the first time that now they've tasted the love of God. And this is a word that almost all the mystics use at a certain point in their uh, spiritual progress that before they knew or they had heard about, but now they have tasted uh, the truth about uh, God's love. And the mystics uh, always have, we believe as Catholics and particularly as Dominicans, always uh, have the the uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit of wisdom, which perfects the gift, the theological virtue of charity, which is the most important theological virtue. Uh, wisdom, as we normally use the word, means erudition or something, but the wisdom that's a gift of the Holy Spirit uh, takes its meaning from the root meaning of the word sapientia in Latin, which means interestingly enough, to taste. So um, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, gives us a heightened awareness of uh, God's divine love for us, such, as, such that we can say afterwards with the mystics that now I have tasted, now I have had a radical experience or awareness of who God is. You had mentioned the Christ Bridge. That's another important thing for someone who is reading the works of Catherine. You'll encounter the bridge motif and that Christ is that bridge. This is her central image. She has hundreds of images in her writings, but towards the end of her life, maybe the last two years, she came across this image of the bridge that, that in order to uh, restore man and woman to relationship with God, that God the Father made of his son a bridge stretching from heaven to earth. And, um, and so Catherine you know, uses this image. She develops it in a rather personal way. She takes traditional teachings, spiritual teachings, known to her at the time, from example, from uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, St. Gregory the Great, and so on and so forth. And um, she weaves them all together and this tremendous teaching of the bridge of, of Christ crucified. And it, it really represents um, a synthesis of her mature spiritual thought. 
and the bridge that she had in mind was a covered bridge. And on the covered bridge, there was a storeroom, which represents the church. And in that storeroom is stored the blood, you know, the, the wine. And the church dispenses the body and the blood of Christ to pilgrim travelers in this life to refresh us, to keep us going higher and higher on the Christ bridge. Under the bridge, there is a tempestuous river, which is the, the dwelling place of sinners. On top of the bridge, as I said, it's a covered bridge. There's a roof which protects the pilgrim traveler from the reign of justice, of God's divine justice. So we could say the roof represents uh, God's mercy, protecting us from his sheer uh, justice. Uh, the bridge has three stopping places on it. Uh, the first one brings us to the feet of Christ, and the second to his open side, the third to the mouth of Christ. And at each point, each of these three points along the way, the pilgrim traveler increases in knowledge and love of God. Remember, uh, Catherine is always very strong that you just can't love God without knowing something about him. And the same is true with loving anyone. So the more we know the truth about God, the more our love is going to increase. But love comes before, or knowledge comes before love. And uh, as the pilgrim traveler goes along the Christ Bridge, at any point uh, he can stop and uh, reverse and, or allow the, the winds of temptation to blow him back into the river of sin. And many, if not most, are blown back. But some people persevere. And, uh, and many of those people who persevere, by implication in Catherine's writings, are people uh, who are not consecrated persons or priests. And I think she had in mind, in particular, her own father, uh, Jacobo Benancasa. Um, and she has personal images for each of these three stages. So the reason why uh, the person in the, in the tempestuous river wants to get out isn't because he loves God, but because he's, he's fearing his own destruction, his damnation. And so it's out of just pure dread or fear, he gets out of the river. He comes onto the shore. He does what any drowning person does. He vomits out the water that he's taken in. That, for Catherine, represents sacramental confession. Then he goes towards the bridge and puts his foot, first foot on the bridge, puts them on the feet of Christ. And at this point, he removes from himself all his disordered attachments to things in the world and to himself and to others, and all his desires now. The word that Catherine uses is affections, but she doesn't use the word affections in the same way that we would. Basically, means she means feelings and desires are going to be uh, rectified and in line in a gradual kind of way with Christ's feelings and desires. And at this point... The, uh, the pilgrim traveler is the, the servile uh, servant who is merely doing the right thing, um, again, out of fear. They don't, want to, they don't want to be destroyed. They don't want to be washed away in the river to their own destruction. And the higher they go, they, they undergo, the pilgrim traveler undergoes other transformations. She uses the image of his physical body, that you are literally engaging not not just in a experience of Jesus which is very ethereal and I think for those of us 
particularly in our Catholic experience, the whole idea of the theology of the body, where a lot of times we hear that term in the teachings of John Paul that we think it's all about maybe just about sex, but actually it, it is deeper than that in that it talks about that unity of spirit and body. And so here's Catherine lifting. I mean, you are engaging in every aspect of who Christ is, including actually touching his body, placing your head in the wound. And uh, the medieval people, and Catherine was um, lived during the Middle Ages, uh, they were quite used to thinking, and maybe I could say fond of thinking of the open side of Christ made by the spear at the time of his execution. We probably, many of us know that the flow of blood and water that came forth has been taken by the church fathers to mean at various times the sacraments of the Eucharist, the blood, and the sacrament of baptism, the water. Um, also, it's been taken as the uh, flow of blood and water is, is seen as um, the divine life that Christ shares with us, which isn't so different from the baptism, from baptism in the Eucharist. And then... Uh, there are other interpretations too. But uh, the medieval people were uh, very uh, interested. They had feasts dedicated to the open side of Christ that were no longer, are no longer in our liturgical calendar. Mm-hmm. And um, Catherine <clears throat> speaks of the side of Christ in different ways as a window that one can look in now and see the love of God, what he has for us. It's a manifestation of God's love for us. But it can also be uh, uh, a cavern where we go for protection from things that are contrary to God's love. Uh, it, it's also a hearth, you know, a warm fireplace that we can huddle around and 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 uh, and kind of relax. So, but essentially, uh, the open side of Christ reveals the truth about uh, about God. And his love for us, and at this point, the uh, the pilgrim traveler becomes, um, well, he has been up to this point. First, he was um, the fearful servant, and then he became the mercenary servant, or she became such. Uh, and what they don't realize is that you know they're just working for, uh, they're doing the right thing out of love for God's gifts, not really out of love for God. And then Catherine says, well, at this point, there's going to be a dark night of self-knowledge, just like what she experienced in the niche under the staircase in her parents' house, where the Lord suddenly vanished and she felt that he wasn't there anymore. But she learned that as a result of that experience, that her love really hadn't been love for him, but love for the things he was doing for her, for consolations. And she learned the important spiritual lesson that Real love for God is shown when we keep on walking in faith, even during difficult times. If one continues the, uh, the journey after that dark night of self-knowledge, then one does arrive at the open side of Christ and uh, is no longer a, a mercenary servant, but becomes a faithful servant who is now uh, doing the right thing, uh, loving God, uh, because they just simply love God and because it's the right thing uh, to do. And then further on up, the, the Christ bridge, the faithful servant, undergoes another transformation as uh, 
he or she experiences an increase of knowledge and love of God and becomes uh, the friend of God. I no longer call you servants, but friends, Jesus said. And then uh, at the very uh, uppermost part of the cross, uh, they receive the kiss of Christ, um, which goes back to the first verse of the Song of Songs in the Old Testament. Uh, let me kiss him with the... Um, let me kiss him with the lips of my mouth or something. And the person experiences peace and at this point becomes the son or the daughter of God while still remaining the friend of God. And being a son or a daughter of God is another scriptural image. Um, never really realized it until I studied St. Catherine of Siena. But in John's Gospel and in the letters of John and particularly in St. Paul, we have allusions to what we've come to call the, the doctrine of divine adoptive filiation, that through grace we are uh, called to be what Jesus Christ is by nature, the Son of God. And, uh, and that really should um, be what we are, you know, sons and daughters of God. Uh, more than being a friend of God, it represents a stable relationship with God that, that's not fleeting. It's not dependent upon emotions. And uh, this was the, the peak for St. Catherine of what we're called to, to be true sons and daughters of God. And when we, when we sin, we're essentially saying to God, I no longer want to be your son or daughter. We'll return in just a moment to St. Catherine of Siena, her life and teachings with Father Thomas McDermott. This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Please consider making a tax-deductible gift. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the discerning journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. A Prayer of St. Catherine of Siena O Supreme Physician, O unspeakable love of my soul, I have recourse to Thee, O infinite and eternal Trinity. I, though unworthy, ardently sigh for Thee. I turn to Thee in the mystical body of Thy holy Church, so that Thou mayest wash away with Thy grace all stains of my soul. I beseech Thee, through the merits of St. Peter, to whom Thou hast committed the care of thy bark, to delay no longer to help thy spouse, who hopes in the fire of thy charity and in the abyss of thy admirable wisdom. Despise not the desires of thy servants, but do thou thyself guide thy holy bark. O thou, the author of peace, draw unto thyself all the faithful Dispel the darkness of the storm, so that the dawn of thy light may shine upon the head of thy church, and pour down upon him zeal for the salvation of souls. O eternal and merciful Father, thou hast given us the means of restraining the arms of thy justice in the humble prayer and ardent desires of thy devoted servants whom thou hast promised to hear when they ask thee to have mercy upon the world, O powerful and eternal God. 
I thank thee for the peace which thou wilt grant to thy spouse. I will enter into thy gardens, and there I will remain until I see the fulfillment of thy promises, which never fail. Wash away our sins, O Lord, and purify our souls in the blood which thy only begotten Son shed for us. So with that joyful countenance and pure hearts, we may return love for love, and dine to ourselves, live for him alone. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to St. Catherine of Siena, Her Life and Teachings, with Father Thomas McDermott. As we are, are climbing this bridge, it, we are experiencing, uh, we're given a vision of Catherine's experience. It really can help us, can it, as we are growing in our own prayer life, to take the risk, can I say, in our prayer, to allow it to take us to places which we don't expect. I mean, as you're reading Catherine, you don't expect to be taken up this bridge in the manner that you are, and yet it brings you to a great truth. Is Are we capable of experiencing those type of moments in our own prayer. Well, by the help of God's grace, we are, Chris, because for Catherine, as a good Dominican, all of this that she's talking about is uh, the result of the flowering of baptismal grace. It's not, it's not the, the result of something that God gives just to the mystics or to the saints, but it's something that all of us can participate in, and indeed we're invited to do so. And I think the value of her teaching on the bridge of Christ crucified is twofold, is that, and she, well, you know, the medieval people had many different teachings on, teachings on the stages of the spiritual life. She wasn't the only one, but I think she was one of the better ones. One mm-hmm. of the advantages is, is that I think many of us aren't aware of what a higher and a purer form of God looks like or that it's even possible. You know, we may be smug and satisfied thinking that, well, you know, here I am, I've arrived, there's nothing more we can do. But there are indeed higher and higher dimensions of pure love for God. And if you don't know it, uh, you're not going to aspire to it. And there's that old Latin saying, ignoti nulla cupido, those who do not know of something have no desire of it. So that's one of the values of the teaching on the stages is that it imparts to us an awareness of a better love and a higher love. Going through those different stages, 
it is remarkable for her ability to be able to illuminate just what spiritual growth can look like. As you said, others have, well, it wasn't necessarily a new teaching, but it was one that really stood out, say, maybe two or 300 years before uh, in Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, and even Ignatius of Loyola. Yes, right. You know, what do people look like the further they advance on the Christ Bridge? Mm-hmm. They've stripped off vices. They've put on as if it's new clothing, the virtues. They become more virtuous, and we need to know what the virtues are so that we can aspire to them. But also, their human relationships mirror or ought to mirror the increase of their knowledge and love of God. Uh, it's impossible, Catherine says, for us to grow in the knowledge of love of God and become more isolated from others. She says over and over again that no one crosses the bridge of Christ crucified alone. We always have to do it with another. We always have to be in relationship with another person. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking you know, of, of Carthusian monks and nuns you know, who live an eremitical uh, style of life, basically alone as hermits. But when you go into their lifestyle, you see that a large part of it is uh, intercessory prayer that they're not there just for themselves, for their own sanctification, far from it. They're interceding for the world. And, uh, and if they weren't, then um, according to Catherine's teaching, their love for God would be uh, probably fraudulent. Total engagement in the Christ Bridge is almost taking our prayer into the just total immersion of, of sacrament, isn't it? Right. Not just our prayer, but our human relationships, uh, everything. And mm. at one point in my studies of St. Catherine of Siena, I, I thought, and I still maintain it's true, that really everything she's talking about is, in one way or another, a commentary on sacred scripture. And maybe that could be said of many other mystics besides. Uh, it's a commentary on sacred scripture. Yeah, look at all the illusions she has. You know, the mercenary servant is like the hireling in the gospel who works for pay. Uh, the faithful servant, well done, good and faithful servant, that's from Scripture. Uh, the friend, I no longer call you servant, but friend. And then, of course, the emphasis on being a son or a daughter of God. It's all there in Scripture. And, uh, and that's why I say that, really, I think all of her teaching is a kind of commentary on Scripture. The teachings about the virtues that they really, in this case, they're the stones on the bridge. It is something that is an imperative for us to be able to ponder, contemplate, and enact in our own lives and to encourage in others. Right. And, you know, we've, there's been, a, would say, an overemphasis on the commandments. But the commandments are, are absolutely essential. But they're kind of negative things. They tell us what it is we need to remove from our lives as if, uh, you know, scraping the ground so we can... Uh, so that God can put up a building in our soul. You know, there's no way around the commandments. They have to be um, uh, adhered to. But they clear the ground. And then after that, uh, we need something to aspire to. The virtues come into play. And it's no accident that for centuries, including the time of St. Catherine of Siena, the virtues were stressed. And, uh, I mean, the Ten Commandments were there. Everybody knew what they were. Uh, They were always regarded as uh, absolutely essential, but they don't give us really anything to aspire to. 
uh, like the virtues. And as I believe I may have said in an earlier program, the virtues are really the personality characteristics of Christ. You know, it's one thing to say, uh, imitate Christ or be Christ-like. But do we really know what that means? Well, I think a study of the virtues as the, as the church understands them is uh, a fascinating project. Father McDermott, what would you say to that listener out there who really would love to be able to deepen their contemplation, to be, to be able to approach the Christ bridge? But this is so new. It's a, it's a new way for them to enter into prayer. How would you have them approach this as they begin? Well, you know, everybody is different, Chris, and um, I'm always reminded of that when it comes to music, how, how we all have different tastes when it comes to music. We have different tastes when it comes to homilies or sermons. And so I'm, I don't think there's any one way that I could recommend for someone to uh, move closer to God or allow God to come closer to him. Uh, but one tried and true way uh, down through the centuries has been reading the lives of the saints. And uh, they don't have to be, you know, the 14th century biography of St. Catherine of Siena by Raymond of Capua. They could be a moderate, modern uh, biography of her based on the primary sources. And we have several out there, like Sigrid Unsets and Don Brophy's uh, recent biography of St. Catherine. I think that would be... Uh, uh, a less threatening way that most general readers, you know, would would uh, be able to employ to get into the life of Saint Catherine of Siena and to be able to pick up what her worldview is. And um, so, I might recommend uh, like Jorgensen's Life of Saint Catherine of Siena, which is available uh, used book dealers on the internet. Lavasti's, uh, my daughter or My Servant Catherine, um, Sigrid Unset's book, uh, Alice Curtain's biography of St. Catherine, Don Brophy's uh, recent biography of St. Catherine. Uh, all of those, I think, would be good starting places. And then after that, I would say, um, well, I'm, I'm not being very modest here, but I think a little book that I just wrote, which was published by Bloomsbury, called Filled with All the Fullness of God, An Introduction to Catholic Spirituality, <clears throat> would, would be a logical uh, second step uh, to see how the Catholic Church uh, looks at the spiritual life. Another book, uh, which would probably be of more interest to people, would be uh, Jacques Philippe's book on prayer called Time for God. Mm. Uh, or uh, Father Dubé's book, which is Carmelite, uh, not Dominican, but a lot of, lot of uh, common principles of the spiritual life in it. Fire Within is the name of that book. Uh, these books would be very good starting points for, for people that would like to go further. And I really think that uh, many people in our parishes today, and I'm a, I'm a pastor now, you know, want to know how to pray, or they want to know how to pray differently. And... Uh, and and John Paul II said that parishes ought to be schools of, of spirituality. And, and he's right. This is what people want. This is what they can only find in the church, uh, not at the Rotary Club or uh, the mall or what have you. And, and we need it. 
Well, I look forward to our, our future conversations. Thank you so much, Father McDermott. You're welcome. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to St. Catherine of Siena, Her Life and Teachings, with Father Thomas McDermott. To hear and or to download this recording, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Albert the Great. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, and if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for St. Catherine of Siena, Her Life and Teachings with Father Thomas McDermott.